Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, do we need a change in strategy when it comes to who gets vaccinated next? As more and more vaccines become available, uh, obviously uh, you look at all of the groups and and then and, uh, then I guess I would uh, defer to the provinces and territories based on their demographics, their lo- local context in terms of uh, vaccine supply, uh, uh, where the outbreaks are occurring, etc., and so on, they would be in the best position in terms of uh, how they roll out their vaccination programs. The Liberals hold what will likely be their last convention before the next election. They want to come out looking and sounding like, you know, they were there for Canadians during the pandemic and they're best placed to guide Canadians um, out of this crisis and toward the recovery. And the NDP convention will see discussion over a wide range of policies including removing all public statues of Sir John A. Macdonald. In general, we're going to have a a good debate around what our country should be and and how we should move forward, and I think that's going to be healthy. The general principles and values I can speak to, uh, the idea that there there is a place for history and we can always remember history, but we've got to be very aware of the message certain monuments and statues send in public spaces. It's Friday, April 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by CBC at issue panelist Althea Raj. Althea, thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Mark. So let's talk about vaccinations. Uh, Public health officials are continuing to share the latest information on what's happening. There's some discussion around the idea of prioritizing different people, uh, those who work indoors, uh, some younger people who are in precarious jobs and, and in a vulnerable position, uh, some people in, in so-called hot spots in different parts of the country. Are we seeing the potential for a change in strategy? And what is the latest when it comes to vaccinating Canadians? Well, in some part of, of the country, the change has already happened. Um, in Ontario, for example, we saw Premier Ford announce a change of policy uh, compared to what he had announced uh, last week a more extensive lockdown uh, for everybody in the province and, of course, a change in the way people are being vaccinated so that people, adults over 18 in hot spots um, where there have been COVID outbreaks um, would be able to get vaccinated. People who work, uh, who are still forced to, to go to work, uh, people who work in warehouses. Um, we saw uh, mobile clinics uh, go to meat plants in Alberta, for example. So uh, the strategy is changing, I think, depending on Uh, local circumstances. And one of the reasons that it is changing is because, frankly, uh, doctors and those uh, medical professionals have been raising the alarm and calling for provincial governments to act. Um, And I'm not sure that without uh, those those very public calls uh, that um, some decision makers in some provinces uh, would have moved um, in the way that they did. All right, let's talk about the lockdowns that are happening in some parts of the country. And uh, we've seen kind of a a change in tone a little bit, I think, over the last couple of weeks where there are people who are openly disagreeing with the different approaches that are taking, that are being taken in Ontario, of course, public health officials in municipalities challenged the government's decision and and then a change was made. And in Alberta, we're seeing... Members of the government, uh, United Conservative Party MLAs, uh, disagreeing with the government's restrictions. Um, what do you think is at the, at the heart of all of that, that we're seeing kind of less consensus about what should be done? 
Um, I think in Alberta there is an ideological uh, tone to the the disagreement that is pre- is not as present as it is in Ontario, for example, where I think it's mostly about concerns for small business owners. Um, you hear Premier Kenny start off his press conference as saying that you know it, it graves him to have to do, to take these decisions that uh, he doesn't believe the government should be uh, meddling in people's personal freedoms. Um, but uh, clearly that has not been enough to uh, calm the dissent in his caucus. Uh, now we're hearing, well, <laughs> we're seeing <laughs> very publicly MLAs disagree with their um, with their premier. Uh, and uh, apparently a very testy phone call uh, yesterday um, where the premier seems to have threatened to snap election if people did not get uh, into line. That obviously is not my own research, but um, according to the Calgary Herald and Don Braid, who usually has his finger on the pulse going on in that province. Um, uh, and then, uh, of course, also uh, we hear that uh, Premier Kenny's now saying that he's going to boot any of his misbehaving MLAs if they encourage people to break COVID-19 rules or break the rules themselves. Um, we saw him take a firmer tone in December, remember, when uh, some MLAs and some staff members, frankly, had uh, traveled abroad during the Christmas holiday break. Um, there was a, at first it was, it was that they weren't going to be punished and then they were punished. Um, so I think people are struggling with what to do with uh, dissenters. And th- that is, as I said before, different than what we saw in Ontario, where uh, on the dissenters, Premier Ford has taken a very uh, strong stance. But you see the Premier being very cautious um, about the impacts on small business and um, and framing his decisions in that way. I think what is more interesting to me is the way different uh, provinces, the, ta- the strategies that different provinces have enacted. You right. see in Atlantic Canada, for example, where the premiers there have really decided to try to eradicate this virus, that we are going to try to live like Australia or New Zealand, uh, which is a really, really strong lockdown, um, and then people can move freely. And everywhere else in the country, and I'm not saying that I know whether or not this is feasible to do in provinces like Ontario and Quebec, but the premiers have decided to try to live with the virus and and mitigate the impacts. And um, different premiers are reacting uh, differently based on, I think, what they view as acceptable tolerance um, from their citizens. And we saw yesterday Premier Legault um, announce uh, more changes to uh, different zones in Quebec that will be now uh, further into lockdown. I mean, these words seem to, to sound kind of meaningless at some point, um, but stronger rules for all so that um, we don't see the ICU level and the crisis in right. hospitals that uh, the government's fear. All right, let's turn to the Liberal Convention that's uh, underway now and continues through Saturday. Uh, and, of course, people have been talking about Mark Carney speaking, the former Bank of Canada governor. Christia okay. Freeland, the deputy prime minister and finance minister, spoke last night and talked about uh, establishing universal child care once and for all. Many people saw that as perhaps some foreshadowing to the upcoming federal <laughs> budget. Um, so what do you think we're going to see? Because there's been a lot of talk of, of big ideas and potentially big spending leading into this policy convention? 
Well, Mark, if she was foreshadowing that there was going to be a, a big, big program with regards to childcare because she did have Ken Dryden with her, and they talked about uh, Ken Dryden's childcare plan. Basically, um, Freeland's questions were mostly about um, how to uh, temper people's expectations. How, when there's an announcement, they expect to see something uh, in the window immediately, and uh, that isn't always the case and how do you ensure that people stay with you um, even though there is nothing for them to see so um, maybe we should temper there, there may be some long uh, long uh, timelines uh, for for big projects um, so uh, I'm sorry I got sidetracked so the Liberal Convention does begin this morning at 10 o'clock um, it's uh, Obviously, a, a virtual convention, uh, lots of delegates, uh, election readiness is certainly a key theme. There are, I believe, eight panels on election readiness, some uh, new tools. The Liberals have been at the forefront of um, kind of door-to-door campaigning voter identification. This used to be something that the Conservatives were better than the Liberals at, but since 2015, the Liberals have been... Um, far ahead of the Conservatives, and in fact, the Conservatives' convention uh, just last month was about basically trying to catch up to the Liberals. Uh, we are told that uh, there are some tools that were uh, used in the Democrats' winning campaigns uh, last fall that are going to be used by the Liberals, and so uh, volunteers and registered Liberals will mm. be able to learn more about that. Right. Um, the other thing that Liberals are really good at is um, winning in really tight contests. Uh, there's an election readiness panel about that. Like if you look back, I think the Hill Times had done the study, but in 47 ridings that were won by less than 5%, the Liberals had won 26 of those contests. that only lost nine. They're really good at identifying all their voters and making sure that those people vote, knowing how many voters they need to win in a contest. Right. So uh, part of that is election readiness. The other part, of course, um, is trying to... Uh, come out of this contest looking like there are uh, they are a very progressive government something that they must absolutely do because they are they're basically fighting with green and ndp um uh, for the same supporters uh they want to come out looking and sounding like you know they were there for canadians during the pandemic and they're best placed to guide canadians um out of this crisis and towards the recovery right uh, we're seeing a lot of focus on liberal candidates and caucus members uh there are, every panel has like four uh caucus members maybe that's because we haven't seen uh, many of them many mps during the 2019 uh parliament because everybody's been virtual yeah there are no right. huge stars uh there are i think four or five new candidates that are being featured but aside from mark carney who is not a declared candidate um there is no, uh, there is no big star like we saw, like uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and right. Harjit Sajjan and Andrew Leslie. Remember those names from the 2012, 24? Yeah. I'm going to oh, jump okay. in, Althea, just because we're we're short on time, and I want to make sure we talk about the NDP oh, convention sorry, yeah. as well. <laughs> so let's. You mentioned the 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 Liberals are competing for progressive votes with the NDP, and we're going to see a wide range of policies on the table, including some that people would describe as extreme policies and some that have already been ruled out by Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader. So just quickly, what do you expect from the NDP convention, which is also this weekend? Well, one of the reasons that we 
I guess, using your words, extreme policy conventions that we have seen these is because the NDP is a very transparent process where they whittle down from a very long laundry list of resolutions, um, the like top 30 resolutions that are going to be discussed. So that's a process that we didn't see uh, at the conservative convention. And it's a process that we um, didn't see as publicly because it happened uh, virtually online for the liberals. So the list is going to be whittled down to about 30. I'm told that the party is not um, upset with the top resolutions, though when I spoke to them Thursday, they'd only um, received the top five that were going forward. So it's possible there are some, like, um, I don't think this one is part of it, but like getting rid of all billionaires by taxing them at 100% uh, after the, the first billion. Um, there, So... I think it's good that they're having a very um, visionary and interesting convention. Right. The the second point I think it's important to note about, it is a policy convention, but it's also a policy convention where Jagmeet Singh is going to have a leadership vote. He won with 90.7% in 2018. Um, everybody I spoke to you on Thursday thinks that he is going to get more than that this time around. Hmm. The polls are in his favor. Um, he His personal popularity is up. People who were very upset with all the losses in Quebec in 2019, um, many of them are not coming to convention, and they, they kind of the anger that they felt has uh, has passed. Right. Um, it is okay. also important to note, I think, that the, the benchmarks have changed. Right. Like you're not comparing Thomas Mulcair to Jagmeet Singh in terms of what their potential is as a party leader. All right. It's going to be an interesting weekend. Althea, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Thanks very much, Mark. That's CBC at issue panelist Althea Raj. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Heather Schofield argues the Liberals are ready to go on a spending spree and questions how they will pay for it. Schofield writes, Read through the list of resolutions bubbling up at this week's Liberal Policy Convention, and you'll realize there's a subtext. Big spending is a virtue. Public transit, affordable housing high-speed internet, pharmacare for all, and a universal basic income. They're proposed in the name of improving the quality of life in Canada, but nary a mention is made of who will pay the bill. In the Globe and Mail, Elizabeth Renzetti argues, when health messages become confusing, people tune out. Renzetti writes, Cynicism has crept in, as communication strategies appear to have been written in Klingon. Were we in lockdown, shut down, stay at home? People threw up their hands when words ceased to have common meaning. Even worse, the debate has become politicized, a lethal poisoning for effective messaging. Spats have broken out between provincial governments and Ottawa over the vaccine rollout, with each side accusing the other of playing politics. Votes seem more important than lives. In the Ottawa Citizen, Dr. Nilly Kaplan-Mirth argues a broken system makes it harder to deal with the third wave. Kaplan-Mirth writes, If we truly had an all-hands-on-deck approach with primary care, pharmacies and public health clinics across the country would be getting vaccines out to our populations in every conceivable way. Doctors ask why there are vaccines in freezers. Public health units point to the provinces. Provinces point to the federal government. The public is left with chaos and confusion. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak with the media in advance of the NDP convention. 
Diversity Minister Bartish Chagger, Minister for Women Mariam Monsef, and International Development Minister Karina Gould will each attend virtual infrastructure events, and Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan will make a virtual announcement about the Emissions Reduction Fund. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, April the 9th. Tune into Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.